Hello and welcome once again to In the Growth Space. This is the show for business owners and leaders who have a thirst for growth. Thanks so much for listening in. If this is your first time listening in, welcome. This podcast is all about growth. We focus on business growth and we also focus on team growth and personal growth because we know that when people grow, our businesses and teams will grow as well. As a coach, I'm always looking to learn and grow in, in my skills and my, my skill sets as a coach. And you know, when I had an opportunity to work with today's guest, I knew I could learn a lot from her. Because of her skill and expert ability to navigate difficult conversations, plus our conversations during the project that we had together, I knew I wanted to have her on the show so that I could share her perspectives and, and her skills with our listeners because I know that we have a number of emerging leaders who listen to the podcast and she has a great perspective on transitioning from being an individual contributor to that leader. Now, Fiona Roberts is not only a fantastic coach and facilitator, she's smart, she's lively, and she's very articulate. I absolutely love her energy, and she is really great to work with, too. By way of background, Fiona worked in management consultancy since 2006 in research and diagnostics, consultant development, and with high potentials, managers, frontline leaders, and executive teams from a variety of sectors supporting their move to a more transformational leadership style. She's done this from literally all over the world. Fiona was also the people and culture director for a startup business where she was responsible for shaping, defining, and driving the company culture within the business. Now, clients describe Fiona as having genuine care that allows her to build and develop strong relationships open up honest conversations, and provide feedback with the caveat of bringing it back to what is trying to be achieved. And I can honestly say that I have definitely seen this firsthand, and I learned so much from watching her work. Now, before we get into our conversation today, I just want to make sure that you stick around for the end segment, because I'm going to share a few of my thoughts from our conversation, but more importantly, I'm going to share a little secret announcement that you really don't want to miss. So for now, let's go ahead and get into this conversation with my friend, Fiona Roberts. Well, hello uh, again. Welcome to the podcast and welcome, Fiona, man. I am so glad that you're here and grateful that we get a chance to, uh, to chat here on the, on the show. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Very excited to be on and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, very intrigued to see where we get to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, me too, actually. I, I'm always intrigued to see where we go. And I, I would love to just start our conversation because I know you're a, you're, you're a coach. You, you have a, a real gift for performance and, and performance coaching. I'd love to just kind of unpack, how did you get into that? What led you to, to get into coaching and, and, and performance? Well, actually, so interestingly, my, my coaching life started before I even knew that I would end up in this coaching life. Yeah. Uh, so I have a, a background in, in sport. And I first sort of experienced coaching as an athlete. Uh, so I played a sport that no one in the US ever knows. Uh, it's netball, similar to basketball, doesn't have a backboard. So I always tell everyone it's way more skillful. 
Absolutely. And, and because you showed it to me so that I could see yes. what it looked like, I totally agree. Like I, I can hardly play basketball with a backboard, so I can't even imagine it without the, back, the backboard. Well, it's funny. Every time I try to play basketball and I don't use the back, backboard, people are like, why aren't you using the backboard? Like, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's my background. Yes. Um, cool. So yeah, no, I experienced uh, coaching, coaching men as uh, being coached as an athlete. And then also at the time when um, I was kind of up and coming through through the ranks, there was two routes that you could take as an athlete to sort of support, I guess, you having a better understanding of the game and where sort of like performance happens is that you could either go down the umpire route, so the referee route, mm-hmm. or you could go down the coaching route. And those are the two options presented to us to enhance our netballing kind of career, I guess. Um, I definitely did not want to be an umpire referee <laughs> in terms of like telling, you know, because the players can get hot-headed if you know anyone no. is <laughs> no. Yeah. I didn't really want anyone shouting at me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, and I actually was always fascinated about people and how people perform mm. and mm. sort of what it takes to unearth that spark, that greatness that, that help people be the best that they can be. And so I went down the, the coaching route and that's how I sort of uh, started to understand that it's not just about the physical aspects of what you do as an athlete. And um, yeah, that's a big part. And that's something that you have a massive amount of control in over actually. Do you get up at five o'clock in the morning to go and train? Or do you, you know, decide not to go on that night out because you've got a big game the next day? Right. All the all these different things. So the, there's the physical, tangible part of it, but there's an internal aspect to it in terms of how we show up when we perform and pressure, anxiety all of those things play a role in do we manage to get that to work for us or does it work against us and so as I recognize as a coach yes as the tactical part of it but there was also actually helping individuals and also in a team sport especially how you get a lot of personalities to work with each other to perform for the same goal Mm -hmm. so that's how I started actually um, Mm -hmm. about coaching and I did my master's in sports psychology because you know I ended up injuring myself which means if you don't quite make it as an athlete you go and do sports psychology to help sure. other people become really great athletes Absolutely. and this just really really further enhanced my sort of intrigue and understanding of the psychology of performance and and the mm. human element of performance and that's how I learned about an organization that was using sports psychology performance psychology principles but into business and so I transitioned into the world of business which is why I think you know like if you'd asked me I'm not going to amount, uh, say the amount of years because it will make me feel very old <laughs> if you asked me that t- at that time. I would never have thought of, of really working in business, actually. It was always very much a performance-oriented yeah. role. And I didn't really equate those two things in terms of where I would fit in that. Mm. Um, but over the time that I have been doing this and working with many different organizations, it's actually the same human qualities that we mm-hmm. all like the performance, no matter the, the situation. So if you imagine, you know, being in a boardroom, it musters up the same internal dialogue, internal feelings, yeah. uh, the same sort of having to perform as it would at the start of a race or, you know, at the start of start of a game, whatever it might be. So mm-hmm. yeah, the, the transferability was fascinating to me uh, and actually I, I find it more fascinating in business than I do in sports oh really yeah because in in sport 
it's what's expected. You're going to uh-huh. win or you're going to lose. Sure. You score a goal, you don't score a goal. Business, I think there's a sometimes, and sometimes, I, I really emphasize the sometimes, that there can be a bit of a complacency about what our performance is on a day-to-day mm. basis. Sure. What, you know, having to figure out what is our race or what is our gold medal yeah. every, every single day. Yeah. You know, because as, as an athlete, we'll train and it's like a one-off event, really. Sure. Whereas at work, do we have that? And I guess that's something that I'm kind of talking about is, do we have these one-off events that we work towards or is it around sustaining performance over a period of time, but knowing where that direction is? And I actually think that if you look at, sport that's where your high performers come from is being able to sustain high performance Performance, over long periods of time and that's what businesses are required to do is to sustain high performance over a long period long period of time for them to be around right so yeah i think there's there's lots of transversal both ways but that was a very long-winded answer (laughs) no no that's that's great i love it no as i think about it i really think that in business, we probably need to adopt some of that mindset of like, hey, every day is a training session. And what do I need to benchmark myself? And how do I need to benchmark myself? What are my own personal KPIs? What do I need to be working? Obviously, I probably have goals. So what am I working towards? When am I going to get to my personal best? And then when I get to that boardroom, I need to really show up. Exactly. And and for me, it's the, the why that sits above those goals. So yes, actually, we know our KPIs and our numbers and our measurements quite well because that's what gets talked about probably every single day, you know, quite a lot. But, you know, if you think about what motivates us is understanding, well, why are those numbers important? So again, as an athlete, if I've got a benchmark of I need to run under 10 seconds in the 100 meters to even think about being in that in the top, top of the world, then that's my benchmark of going, okay, so 10 seconds is where I'm going to be in the elite and where I'm going to, you know, for, yeah. for example's sake. I wonder, why, I wonder how much that is talked about enough in organizations mm-hmm. for people to understand why they're there and the purpose and therefore have clear measurements on on how to get there and how that evolves every single year as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, and one of the things that there, there's a phrase that you just used there, you probably don't even re- realize you used it, <laughs> but I love it because it's, it's something that I've seen in your coaching that it, to me is masterful. And it's the phrase, I wonder. And I think that as we as we coach and as we create coaching environments, I think it's such a great phrase to use because it helps people to begin to think. I wonder, I wonder if this were to happen. I wonder what would happen if this. And and I, yeah. I've noticed that you use that. And I should say that, you know, you and I did work together. We had a little yes, project we that we were working on and we were just actually yeah, we were catching up before uh, we hit record. So, but I, I'm just wondering if that is a phrase as we begin to talk to companies about creating that coaching culture. How do we do yeah. that? Number one, and and is that something that you know can be done? And if so, like how do we how do we measure that improved performance because of it? Yeah, and I think that this is. For me, I think when I think about coaching, it's the the science and the art of coaching. There yeah. is a science to what sure. we do in terms of understanding what those measurements are, what were our expectations, mm-hmm. the tangible stuff of it, and being clear on those things that that give that direction mm-hmm. and forward momentum. But there's also an art in terms of how do you get other people to own 
their own performance. So as a coach, I think the biggest thing to learn is it's where is our measure of success as a coach, actually? Uh And, you know, it's being able to let go of me being right and me being the expert in terms of the answer to the the problem that's occurring or Uh the, you know, the performance element that one is for me as human beings, I think we try to make everything black and white. We're creatures of habit. And actually, strangely, is that we always operate in the gray area majority of the time. Right, right. And I think that this is, this is for me is, is where the the coaching allows is that there is this spectrum of going, yes, sometimes I am going to have to give answers and I am going to have to point in that right direction because some people just either can't see the wood for the trees or they've got a lack of experience or knowledge or Mm -hmm. capability within this. So yeah, I might have to be a little bit more hands on in helping Mm -hmm. your development and growth. Other people don't need that. So if you imagine that person who doesn't need that more sort of um, directive and sort of side by side and more attention. Mm-hmm. If I give them that, then what happens is that it feels like, okay, you're micromanaging me to tell me to do things yes. that I already have ideas about around and that ideas that I might not even know about actually. Yeah. So therefore that other end of the spectrum is how do I pull out all that good stuff from those people? And that's the art bit is, mm. It's the adaptability and flexibility of moving along that spectrum, knowing what the person needs rather than what I need mm-hmm. um, and answering some of those things. And actually, how do we bring both, both of those things together? Because if I think about as a manager, coach, leader, there is, I, I am going to need something from you. We are going to have to perform. This can't all just be, you know, sort of let's, finger in the air and let's figure this out right, you right. do need to provide this framework of why we're here in the first place right but it's the freedom of moving around that fra- framework that allows you to get the best out of the people that you're working with so if i have a team of five people i might not necessarily be having the same approach in my coaching for yeah. each of those five different people and I think that that's where the kind of complexity and the sort of where actually differentiates you between being an individual contributor that can perform very, very highly to a manager coach that enables high performance of other people. Oh, man, that's so good. And I love talking about that transition between being an individual contributor and then becoming that the manager and then the leader. Yes. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because I know there's some intricacies in that transition yeah. that happen. And, and, and I know you've, you've seen that. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that this is kind of like one of the, the sort of main observations that I've had in a lot of the organizations that I've worked with over, over the years that I've been doing this at every single level, actually. When I think about kind of like leadership development, bringing in coaching, and this observation is that there's a transition that each of us go through within our careers. So you join an organization at the beginning of your career as an individual contributor. And what I mean by that is that we're here to perform at the best of our ability and uh, fulfill the requirements of our role and do a really good job and hopefully be able to exceed them at some point or another. So kind of really learn and grow it. And that's what gets recognized. 
So if you are performing really well in your role and you are achieving above and beyond, then doors get opened in terms of the opportunities of where you could go. And that could be either more of a technical expert or it could be actually going into management. So the first sort of transition that people people take could be around, okay, now I'm going to be a manager. I've been recognized for being a really high performer in my role and the organization now wants me to enable other people to do that. So manage a team of people to create that something special that I've been doing along along this time. Now, unfortunately, it is a different, well, unfortunately or fortunately, (laughs) it is a different skill set than what you were doing previously. And sometimes we don't support people moving into those roles to be able to make that transition from being a great individual contributor to now, how do I let go mm. of doing do and, yeah. you know, doing that day to day, those tasks that I got, you know, recognized for, I have to let go of those things to now grab hold of something different where I'm not necessarily in control of those tasks getting done that I was doing before. I now have to trust a team of people to deliver that day in, day out um, to create that that high performance. And when that performance isn't seen or someone's doing it differently to the way that I'm doing it, mm-hmm. then that can be a little bit of a sort of <gasps> moment of, yeah. oh, now I need to step in and do it myself. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Which means that you don't actually make that transition. You're yeah. manager in role and title but you are still operating as that individual contributor because those are the things that gave us confidence that, you know, that we uh, got rewarded for and recognized. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a mindset shift that we, again, don't really support people. We give them the the tactical, okay, this is your job description. This is your role. Now you need to go off you go. You're really Mm -hmm. good on this one. Yeah. Here here you go. Go for it. Right. Right. (laughs) Whereas, it's kind of there's there's a different there's differing of skill set that needs to be brought to the forefront mm. and um allowed to sort of yeah i guess sort of processed and sort of be embedded into into new ways of working and i guess the question is do we give managers and leaders enough time to be able to embed those and the support because it's a big challenge you're now yeah, taking make that transition yeah, yeah yeah so how do how do we combat that with with high support to allow people to to be at their best again and the same happens as soon as you move into a more leadership role well now you're manager of managers so the right. kind of the, the knock-on yeah. effect of yeah. what you do how it affects actually everybody and and even though you might not directly be in contact with them on a day-to-day indirectly you Mm -hmm. really have a have an influence yeah that influence yeah for sure oh yeah yeah what do you see as some of the key you talked about some of the key skills that sometimes we may or may not necessarily help those leaders to be able to make that transition and going from a, a an individual contributor to that manager what are some of the things that you see or have seen in in uh, organizations that really need to be instilled in those new leaders or those new managers 
I think so. There's a couple of things that like kind of sprung sprung to mind for me is so we just talked about like knowing our goals, which are really really important. Yeah. As an individual contributor, you get given the goals that are right. going to mean that that team is successful. When you move into a manager role, you have to have an understanding of why why these are important and also mm. influence where there might be things that need to be shifted or changed, yeah. or actually be able to have that kind of strategic side of going this is what more we could do and this is maybe what we might not need to do anymore so there's the i guess what we would call it the sort of laddering up or chunking up of that goal so uh-huh. we now need to operate at a higher level of setting those goals which determine what are the goals that our team therefore need to do which means that we're all going in that same direction so that that's one mm-hmm. is what's the level of the goal that you're operating on now? And that could be a clear indicator of, are you pitching it at the right level? Okay. And then part of that is, you know, if, if we're setting the direction, that, that level of goal up, how do we get the involvement of our teams where they feel like they've contributed towards it because they have information? So remember when we were yeah. in that role, we knew, we knew what would work and what wouldn't work. We knew right. whether that was stretching or not stretching enough so how mm. do we get any like have that contribution of the of, of our people which means that they feel involved and that they own those goals as well yeah. instead of it just a sort of passing around and for me part of that is really laying on to our coaching skills so mm. and what i mean by coaching is do we build a good enough relationship with the people that we're managing leading that means that there is trust in our intent which means that we can have challenging conversations. We can mm. debate those goals or whether they're right or not, or, you know, actually further along the line, if things aren't working, that I have the permission to hold my hand up and go, hey, boss, yeah. I don't think that this is going to work and that you're going to be open to that conversation instead yeah. of it shoot down. So what do we do to build that relationship, that rapport mm. with the people that we're working with? So that I think fundamentally that for me first is mm-hmm. how do I get a good understanding of who my team is, what's important to them? Do they trust me? Do they know what I'm about? Then around, okay, so what are we here to do? So really being able to set those clear goals and alignment to it, mm-hmm. but also enabling the, the right conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can sometimes be one of the biggest blockers, barriers is that are we actually hand on heart having the right conversations when we need it? And performance yeah. conversations aren't just about what's going well and what's great and we don't you can move on it is actually being able to get into healthy conflict and i call it healthy conflict because you need conflict for you You to perform really really well you know there's all of these different things and as a as a manager coach of that i need to be comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate that conversation and be able to you know I see it as a funnel, all of this kind of things going on and there's a chaotic here. And my role is then to be able to facilitate that, to funnel it down into something that means something for us and therefore that we can step forward and do something and progress. Otherwise, we get stuck in a loop mm-hmm. and things never move and people don't feel heard and it never really gets incorporated into what it is that what it is that we're doing. So yeah. it's that kind of future focus to the way that I coach actually is yes, an understanding, mm. an understanding of where we've come from and where we are, but also really actually, well, how does that help us to get to where we want to get to yeah. instead of defending previous things is a, an acknowledgement for me, acknowledgement, mm-hmm. what's worked, what's not worked. 
being able to put ego to one side to then go, okay, how do we use that to, to move forward yeah, together? Yeah. Does that right. make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And man, I, I'm telling you that, that there's so much that you just shared that's, I, I think, just to unpack it all. I mean, you know, yeah, developing sorry, I went that. Off on one. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's awesome. I mean, I was just, I was actually just taking some notes because, you know, developing rapport, first and foremost, I think that's key for every, every leader, but, but then being able to, to ladder up those goals and be able to know where, how do we chunk those up and, and how do we get to where we want to go, but, but in steps and then having those right conversations. I, I love that. I'd love for you to share just a little bit more about that, because I think that in some of the work that I've done, I know that that's an area that a lot of new leaders that who have transitioned to that place where they're now a leader, their manager, it's the balance of, you know, the care and candor kind of thing. And I, I, yeah. I know that you do that very well. You do a masterful. <laughs> as a matter of fact, it's one of the things that I, I told you I've learned from you because w- in our project, we, we had to be able to share some of those things and I saw you do it so well. So how do you teach that? How do you teach that to, to new leaders? So very, very good question. It's something that I've had because I've been asked a few times around this and I think there's something around, uh, I think naturally I go there. Um, I think that, you know, so, and, but then, you know, that's the easy, easy answer. There are actually, when you really kind of think about it, we all can then take an understanding of what is it that we do to get, to get to where we want to get to. So I think ultimately I have a real care for people. Mm-hmm. Always have done. Sure. Um, and I, and I really respect and encourage actually the individuality of yeah. Of all the people that I work with, I don't want everybody to be the, be the same. So therefore, as a coach, and this is where my approach again sort of can sort of flex. So there's some fundamental things to my coaching that are the same that is what you experience. But in terms of like the individual, it might change because of that individual. And um, so I think first and foremost is there's a curiosity to mm-hmm. who that person is. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, what's going on for them? Uh, what are some of their challenges? What are some of their strengths? Yeah. Um, and really actually just paying attention. Yes. And I know it sounds yes. really slow and no. easy. <laughs> no, it's, but it's true. It's true. Yeah. Paying attention to what's going on in their lives because that is going to impact the things that are going on in their head, the, the things yeah. that they're doing. Yeah, I totally agree. So there's something about me connecting those things. So I hold my assumptions very, very lightly. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that we all make assumptions all the time. It's whether I choose to go down the pathway of that assumption being truth Mm -hmm. versus actually testing some of my assumptions out, but also, like I said, holding them lightly, suspending them to really get the, the story of that person. So each of us has a story. How often do we take the time to hear and understand everybody else's story? Or do we go into it in terms of, I'm here to do this, boom, 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 let's <laughs> yeah, go. Yeah. And then we kind of question, well, why did they not understand how I, how I shared that? Right. Or why are they not doing the things that I asked <laughs> them to do in the way that I said to them to do it? Yeah. It's because we all interpret the same situation very, very differently. So Yeah, it's good to that, understand. Yeah, that kind of curiosity and understanding people's story, what's important to them, people's values. When I have an understanding of that, and then I see behaviors or I observe actions or I see how people respond to things. 
I have a better understanding of why that might have been the case. Sure. And so therefore, it gives me good opportunity to be able to give appropriate feedback, mm-hmm. to share actually things that people might not have seen uh, or be aware of, like people's blind spots or actually the impact that that had and then understanding, okay, so why have I got that difficult relationship with this other person? Well, maybe because even though though you guys are thinking that it's a difficult relationship because you're approaching it in a different way based on what's important to you, actually... You're both saying the same thing and you both want the same thing. You both want the same thing, right? Yeah, but we hold on to our positions so strongly in a defensive, in a defensive way for right reasons. It's not a wrong or right, it's not for a wrong or right here, but it doesn't allow us to step into, into -hmm. the world of other people. And I think that that's something that's really, really important as a, as a coach, as a manager, as a leader Mm -hmm. is that I have to have the ability to step out of my own space to really understand what's going on, to then be able to step back into my space to know what it is that we should, what I should do, what we should do to move forward. What tends to happen though, is that there's something that's a little bit, I don't know, that grapples a little bit. It doesn't feel feel great. It feels like it could be, you know, that that, it could be chaotic or actually I just don't know where it's going to go. And so what do we do? Is that we pretend it's not <laughs> right, right? Yeah, bury our head in the sand, right? Yeah, yeah, and and actually, that usually makes it worse than what right. it could have been. And I would say nine nine out of ten times when we approach it with that kind of seek to understand approach, which mm-hmm. means I'm curious, I ask more questions, yep. I don't lay on what I think is happening. I kind of have a try to, like I said, seek that seek to understand. Yeah. Then it's never as bad as we often think it is. Right. Right. And well, that, yeah, sorry. Well, no, well, no, I was just going to say, and that kind of even goes back to the, the thing that you said earlier, nine times out of 10, maybe even 10 times out of 10, we both want the same thing yes. or that we're working towards the same goal. So yeah, I, I, I totally get it. And it goes back to that, that relationship part of, do I trust your intent? Yeah. Because if I don't trust your intent, then that's when I might get combative with you and go, you know, you need to listen to what I've got to say and how we want to do it because you're challenging me, which means that I do I think that you are doing it for your own Mm self-interest or do I trust that you are doing this for the greater good and for the for the good of the team? Yeah. But that means that I need to know you as a person, Indeed. not what you do. Mm-hmm. What you do is very different to who you are. Yes. Well, I'm so glad that you brought that up because, I mean, it reminds me of Lencioni's, you know, five dysfunctions of a team, which starts yeah. with really having a vulnerability-based trust. And, and I kind of take it the other way. I, I, I look at what does it take to have a cohesive, high-performing team? Well, at the foundation, it takes trust. It takes vulnerability-based yes. t- trust. And it also takes, like you just said, knowing the people and knowing your people, not just what they do, but but knowing them as a human. And, and I think that's so key. Yeah. And I really want to build on that, actually, because I think that when we often talk about We've taught trust quite a lot, actually, here. And I think, you know, your listeners will also be like, you know, trust is a big thing. We hear this. We have to have trust. But what does it do that we actually mean by trust and how do you build it? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where we sometimes get stuck because it's such this nebulous big thing 
that we go, well, in, I, I feel whether I trust you or not, but what allows us to actively go and build though that element of trust, which means I get to that place. Mm-hmm. And there's different things. So there is, you know, do I trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do? So that reliability piece, which is a very tangible thing of going, you know, I, I actually, are you doing your job? Yeah, <laughs> Reliab- right. Reliability. Exactly. So there's the reliability component. Then there's the, the credibility. So do I see that you are credible in the role that you have got? And often we don't always know why, what has given people the permission to be in the room or around the table in the first place. Sure. Um, or sometimes, and I'll tie back to this a little bit in a moment, but sometimes there's actually, we know a lot about people's credibility because that's what, you know, qualifications sure. and, and all of this. So it's quite easy to see someone's credibility or not credibility. Yeah. And then the other part of it is the the relationship piece in terms of the intimacy. So do I know you are beyond your job role or beyond what would be said on LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. Like, do I know you as a person? And then all of that is, you know, all of those things added together is then actually, you know, undermined by that self-interest piece so do i see that you are doing it to get yourself ahead in the game or for us to actually all reap the reward as a team and perform really well i think and i I think it's um i think it's steve peters actually talked around this around some of this stuff is that uh, you know credibility in that credibility piece i'm looping back is that credibility piece is it's easy to talk about that because yeah. you can go, okay, so you know, I've got a master's. Yes. I went to I went to to do this. I've got X amount of years experience in in this role and in this in this industry. Yeah. You should trust what I've got to say. I'm an expert right. in this field. And people go, yeah, yeah, okay, that that's a really good introduction. Now, if all I ever did was talk about my qualifications, what I've done in the past, why I'm the expert mm. and why I'm the one that you should trust. And, and I didn't do anything around the other ones. Then people will be like, oh my gosh, she's a bit full of herself, isn't she? Right, 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 right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> people, people are going to switch off. And that's why it's so important about understanding those other elements and not just leaning in what we've done in our past and our previous. Mm-hmm. That's what gets you through the door. That's what gets you that introduction. But it's all of those other things around it that enhance, build, and continue to have that trusting relationship for mm-hmm. now and for many years, many years to come, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, I, I'd love to, what, one of the things that I know that leaders who are making that transition, they're, mm. they're coming from that, that contributor role to the leader role, often struggle with, and I'd love to just get your perspective on this because yeah. I, I know it's true in sport, I know it's true in, in business, but just that imposter syndrome, the internal dialogue, the stories that we tell ourselves in our head. And I know you've seen this as well. It doesn't matter what level of leadership, could be the CEO, could be a first-time manager. How do you help people overcome? I don't know that you'd necessarily always overcome uh, an imposter syndrome, but how do you keep that that internal saboteur, you know, dialed down? In check. Yeah, in check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep it in exactly. check. Yeah. Yeah, because right. we... We all have it. And I think if anyone says that they, you know, some more extreme than others, but that we all have a tiny voice. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'd say the tiny voice of, uh, of doubt at right. times. Right. Uh, that can, that can take us there. Mm-hmm. And to an extreme can mean that some people really actually get the, the kind of imposter syndrome. Yeah element of it, of course. And I think that this comes down to one, actually our belief in ourselves. And this is something that I work a lot with, with the individuals that I coach 
mm-hmm. all individuals actually, you know, from when I was doing it in sport to, to now in business. I think that this is the, the biggest thing is how much do we believe in ourselves to be able to do the things that we're saying that we need to do? Mm-hmm. And how much do I take the time to, to recognize that? And again, it's kind of go quite, I'll try to keep it not as geeky scientific <laughs> psychology because I can really geek out. um, is that we as human beings we are negatively biased we you know Mm -hmm. when we ask people to say how something's gone majority of the time or most of the time people will tell you all the things that could have gone better or didn't go very well Mm -hmm. uh you know what wasn't really great because we just sort of look look to those things, which mm-hmm. has a place and is also very good because it allows us to continually improve and better and get gr- and grow. There's a balancing act though of not doing it so much that um, it chips. So by doing that reviewing and going, what could be better? What we're doing is building our competence. So mm-hmm. these are the things that I could uh, improve on, learn, do differently, which is great. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic when you think about it. Yeah. And you think as managers, well, that's my role is to go and look at the things that people need to do better and improve on because we always want to strive for continuous improvement, all of these things. But if we, there's a shadow side to that. And the shadow side is if we are as humans negatively biased, so look for the things that are going wrong, then in the environment, we are also getting to talk about like, well, where can we improve on what didn't go right? And, you know, actually that's the the topic of conversation because it's easy to say, well, this didn't, this didn't happen Mm -hmm. is that we therefore chip away at our confidence of Mm. going, you know, am I, so then then I can question, am I actually doing this right? Is this, should I be doing this? Right. Am I the one that really should be leading this? Because every single review that we've had, there's been 10 things that have come out (laughs) that I could do even better. Sure. And so then I could start questioning. And then that's when the little voice, you give that little, little voice in your head, the podium to actually speak. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I think that that's the the difference is, are you allowing it, the the podium, the the soapbox to stand on to be really, really heard versus hearing these things in a positive way of going improvement, but then to counteract it, understanding, and this goes into our belief and our confidence is recognizing actually the really good things that we do too. Yeah, right. And I and I think that that can often get missed. So if we go back to that kind of transitional period, if I have just been promoted to a new manager, and this is the first time that I've ever been in this role, mm. um, and there's all of these new things that I'm being asked to do, mm. and I'm not, you know, let's be realistic, we're never going to get it right first. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. It's a learning process. Yeah. But if I if I am wired to constantly go, oh, I've got it wrong, I've got it wrong, Mm -hmm. which means that there is a good or a bad and that there's a failure, which means that, you know, if I fail, then I'm not good enough. Then, of course, we're putting ourselves into a position that means that we're not transitioning in that healthy way to Mm -hmm. go, yes, there's areas for me to improve on, but let me reflect back on what is it that got me here in the first place? Yeah, right. What are those skills, competencies, strengths that mm-hmm. people recognize that I know yeah. that I've got that are my foundation and fundamental to who I am and how I operate? Right. And how much do I go back and leverage those in the times yeah. that I need them yeah. versus just going, 
it's not good enough. I'm yeah. still not. I'm still not getting it. People are looking at me, and I don't have the answer. Right, right, right. <laughs> all of the all of these things. So it's yeah, the internal voices are important, but there should be two. There's the okay, how can we improve on what's not going right, but balanced with I got this, and the reasons mm-hmm. that I've got this are because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, that, I love that. And I love the, the just the chat. It's almost like you have two, you yeah. know, the proverbial, you know, voices on your shoulder, you know, one's going, you're, you know, you're a dirtbag, you know, how do you, yeah. you know, who do you think you are? And then the other one's going, no, oh, come on, you got this, right? You know? <laughs> And so I think this is the, the, the voices are, the, you know, the angel of devil, but I also hear right. the kind of like have, getting your ducks in order as well. Like can yeah, you get your yeah. ducks in order to quack in, in a right. nice thing or are they all going crazy? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, and, and I know that something that you do especially well is that when you give feedback, you will give uh, if I'm recalling right, it's kind of like a yeah. three to one, right? It's it's like here's some here's some <laughs> developmental things that you need to work on, but here are the things that I see that went really really well with this. Oh yeah, yeah. So knowing this, okay, I'm gonna get a little bit geeky and just shut that. It's great. No, it's great. I love it. Uh, and I think that uh, so I think that you know people often often think about feedback. Oh, I'm gonna share with you all. I have a real pet peeve that really actually grates on me so much <laughs> and really gets a very emotional reaction yeah, yeah. from it. Because when people talk about feedback as positive and negative, oh, you know, positive, I, I like giving positive feedback, you know, because it's the, it's the stuff that they're doing well versus the negative feedback when I need to tell them they're doing wrong. I'm like, that is systematic, systematically what is wrong with yes. why people shy away from giving feedback. If my intent is to give you feedback to help you with your performance, mm-hmm. then shouldn't all feedback be positive? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. So all feedback should be positive, but there are two types of feedback. And the two types of feedback is that you've got motivational, which is mm-hmm. the encouraging, the uh, sort of building people's confidence part of it. Yeah. And then there is developmental feedback, which is the developing competence and improvement and getting better and sort of like where there's room for, room for, for growth to do things that differently or, or something that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. So for me, if I do those two things in a positive way, then it's going to be received in a positive way positive way yeah for sure so everybody please stop calling <laughs> yeah. Yeah. positive and negative feedback yeah let's let's eliminate that from our vocabulary yeah, right that is like yeah. my lifelong ambition <laughs> i love it i love it yeah no it's so yeah it's so good it's so good and i know that was one thing i know that i i picked up from you on our on our project together so all right i i i want to be respectful of of your time oh, yeah, um, yeah, but w- one last question so how do you as a coach continue to you know keep yourself growing and developing how do you how do you do that yeah it's a really great question because it's it's like it's very easy to get complacent and you kind of go okay so i'm in the job now i've been coaching for years and years so like over over 15 years now i should be done right expert so 
I think that there's always something to learn. So I have a huge growth mindset in terms of, I think that there's always something new out there. Um, and not new necessarily, but I guess a different way of, of looking at the world. Um, there's, I, so me personally, I call myself the magpie of coaching. Is <laughs> <laughs> that there isn't one school or chain of thought that I am deeply ingrained in. I can of look across the whole border and I pick all the shiny things that resonate and mean something to me that I think could have an impact and make a difference to the to the people that I coach and the people that I work with so I'm always really fascinated to hear about different things that are going on Uh, so at the moment my my new thing is actually uh, well it's not that new it's been going around but neuropsychology and semantic coaching and relating Mm. actually you know our our bodies and our bodies and our brains to how we therefore act and can act and can behave Mm. um you know being able to really attune those things uh, because you know if I get a raised heartbeat or I get sweaty palms, my body's telling me something that could either mean it enhances my performance or my performance takes a real nosedive because I can't get a a handle on my, on my emotions or my anxiety or pressure or whatever it might be. So I have a real kind of fascination and and whether that's because I've come from a sport background and kind of relating kinesthetically to body performance and and all of those things. But I I do think there's, there's this thing around sort of mind and body. Um, so I kind of guess I get really intrigued by these things and therefore I will do different courses. So I, I actually mm-hmm. just did a, a course on uh, neuroscience of change and coaching. Oh, cool. Another area that I think is a, a real sort of key area to help people is change is because change is always yeah. happening, but awesome. we don't really like it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Although actually, I really like it. I quite like it. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. I don't know. No, it's good. Um, um, I also get coached. Um, I think it's really important for me as a coach not to get stuck because, you know, there is, there is the interaction of a human being. And so I'm not a robot. I obviously react and respond to those things as, as everyone does. Uh, you know, that there's, and that because, you know, of my values or what's important. So how do I make sense of that so that that doesn't become a derailer for me to show up as the best coach that I can do? So. I I get coached. I also get supervised. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate to have wonderful, amazing, fantastic network such as yourself and all these all these different people I've been able to collect over. Yes, yes. That I kind of like, you know, I'm able to reach out and sort of work through work through those things as well. So yeah, I do. You know, there's the there's the courses. There's the kind of reading. I don't read as much as you do, and I'm very (laughs) very jealous around around that. It makes me feel very guilty. No, no, it's great. Um, but yeah, sort of like uh, the reading courses and uh, pulling on my, my own sort of network of coaches that I've got, I think there's a real sort of beauty and richness actually to, and I think that this is where I've got a massive amount of, is when I've had group supervision with a, with a group of fellow coaches mm-hmm. yeah. where we bring in, actually, I really struggled with this and mm-hmm. I, you know, what was, what was going on, what was going on for me. And it's kind of like that kind of, uh, sort of I guess the fly on the wall or that sort of like lifting ourselves out of our bodies to to look in to check ourselves really actually to to really make sure that am I in the best place to be doing this because I I think it's a it's a very humbling position to hold when Mm -hmm. you have people who you're working with who you know trust 
and uh, want to work with you and, and hear you, that sometimes that can be quite a big thing of going, God, yeah. do people really actually listen to what I've got? Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, and it's nice to have a group of people around you to be able to help you process that and yeah. really even just kind of keep you on track. Right? Yeah. You know? And I've so. just recognized that that's my imposter syndrome voice See? just come. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> See, we all have it. So those of you who are listening, exactly. I don't care if you've been a coach for 15, 20, 25 years, of we course. still got it. Yeah. Of course, of course. That's but I quiet it down. I quite got a good note. You know, you got this. You know you what you're going this. on about. <laughs> right, right. I love it. This has been such an amazing conversation. And, and I, I'm so grateful that you took the time to, to oh, be here with the audience because I, I know, I, I, first of all, I knew after we started to get to know each other that mm. you would be a great guest because you have so Thank much you. value. And I, I really, I, I think there are so many like key takeaways to this conversation, especially for that leader who is transitioning from that individual contributor to the managerial, the leadership role. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that you brought you know, some of those things out because yeah. really that's, um, you know, I, I think that's a super important a point in someone's career. And, yeah. and I think that to be able to navigate that well, they have yeah. to really be able to uh, do it. Just one last thing to build on that. I think that that's absolutely a hundred percent. I also think that, you know, people listening to that, you don't need to be on the pathway to be a manager or a leader for you right. to be a great coach. That's right. Actually, if you, if you care about people and that you have are able to build a great relationship, great rapport with people that you take the time to observe and see, and you have built that relationship, which means that they trust you to give feedback regardless of your position yeah. or hierarchy in, in a role that actually each of us can, every single one of us can coach every single day. We just don't need to necessarily have the title, right. but again, it goes back to those fundamental things of have you built a relationship with people do you take the time to be curious and observe mm -hmm. and are you able to deliver feedback in a way that's listened to and heard and respected doesn't mean that they have to take it on board but it means right. that you do get into a good quality conversation and you can facilitate a conversation with with a peer or a group of peers which means that it actually can shift the dial on that performance for you mm -hmm. and for each other and therefore have a better experience. So yeah, I think there's the, the two things for me. Yeah, perfect. I love yeah. that. Well, so let's uh, make sure that people know how to get in touch with you. Oh, yeah. um, for, those of, <laughs> for those of you who are listening, Fiona is an amazing coach and I'd love Thank for you. you to get in touch with her. Um, so where do people get in touch with you? This is a very good question. <laughs> I know you're so, in the middle of stuff. stuff yeah, right now. I am in the middle of stuff. So um, I will update you because I'm actually in the process of, of launching my own website. Yep. Um, and as David knows, there's been lots of ups and downs with, with getting getting a name, and so that's yeah. in the work. So I will pass that information on to, to David cool. to share that, which will be very exciting, and I can't Absolutely. wait wait to launch that. Um, but in the min meantime, the best way to get hold of me actually would probably be through my email, which is Fiona Roberts consulting at gmail.com. Awesome. I'll, um, awesome. I'll pass that information on to, oh, actually, David, you've already got yeah, that. I'll, yeah, I will, I will put it in the show notes and yeah, yeah. I'll put and, your LinkedIn yeah. too. Yeah, so. I was going to say, I was like, there's yep. also, there's also link, LinkedIn um, as well. That's kind of, which is pretty much up to date actually. So yeah, feel cool. free to, to reach out and I would, uh, would love to hear and speak to, speak to you guys. And uh, thank you, David, for asking me, honestly, really humbled and, and really thankful that you even thought of me to come. Uh, my pleasure. I knew you'd bring it and uh, you <laughs> didn't disappoint for sure. Thanks Thank for being you. on today. I appreciate it, my friend. Of course. Thank you very much. <laughs>
Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. You know, what I wanted to do here at the end is something maybe a little bit new and, and just give you some of my thoughts and some of my takeaways from the conversation and some of the things that I learned from the conversation as well. And the first thing that I want to share is that transitioning from an individual contributor is so important in your leadership journey. So when you're going from that individual contributor uh, to uh, a, a leader, it's so important to make sure that you do that transition well. And it's really why I created the Emerging Leader Inner Circle so that I could help uh, the small and, and medium-sized companies really improve their leadership bench strength because ordinarily they don't have the resources or the capabilities in-house to be able to do that. But the, the, the first thing that I really got from the conversation with, with Fiona is that the transition from individual contributor to leader is really a transitional process. And, and the key skills are really being able to see the bigger picture of the organizational goals, being able to ladder up those goals as she, as she shared. And, and then the other part of that skill is to build rapport and trust oftentimes with people who may have been your peers. And, and that's a very delicate balance and a really important skill. And then finally, one of the key skills is also just being able to have those challenging conversations, especially with those people who may have been your peers after that transition took place. The other thing that I took away from this, and, and this is really something that I learned from Fiona as we were working together, because when I heard her share this, in a session that we did together, it really made sense. She said that feedback should be seen as all positive, especially if our intention is to help improve performance. And that makes sense. But really, there are two types of positive feedback. One is motivational, and the other is developmental. I thought that was really important. And I think it's, as she said, really one of the reasons why we often shy away from feedback is because we've been programmed to see feedback as positive and negative when it should really be seen as all positive, especially if our intent is improving the performance of our team, our company, and, and really even ourselves. So keep that in mind when you're giving feedback. Make sure that you're giving both motivational and developmental feedback. And then my final thought and takeaway really is the key to continuing to grow is through staying curious about a whole range of different topics. Do things like taking courses, listening to podcasts like this one, uh, get coached, stay connected to a network of people who are gonna help you grow, get into a mastermind. That's a great way to do that. And so I thought that this conversation, although it was wide ranging, we, we really honed in on the, the transition from individual contributor to leader. And, and I think that What's really cool, and, and this is really the best part of this conversation, is that if you're an emerging and rising leader, you're going to want to come to our Emerging Leader Inner Circle Summit that's coming up in December in Pittsburgh. Now, the reason why I say that is because Fiona is going to be there, and she's going to lead a session on resilience and navigating that transition that she talked about. You really don't want to miss experiencing her coaching and her teaching in person. She's really brilliant. And while we don't have the, the uh, firmed up yet, uh, but if you want to get on the wait list, be sure to go to davidmcglennoncom forward slash 
E-L-I-C Summit, all one word, E-L-I-C Summit, to get your name added uh, to the wait list. And, and then you'll be the first notified outside, of course, of our Emerging Leader Inner Circles members. So thank you so much for, for listening, and please make sure you go out and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating and review. Really would appreciate it. Uh, I've got some great guests coming up, and, and next week I'm going to be talking with Christy Turley. Christy is an author and business owner who's grown two businesses by more than $30 million. So she epitomizes being in the growth space. We're going to talk about intuition and how it impacts our business, and you're not going to want to miss it. But until next time, stay in that growth space and be well. Mm-hmm.